Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League. Week 8 begins tonight with Washington at Minnesota. The Vikings are making the case that they are the best team in the NFC. Washington has fired its coach and is 1-6 and, and looking dreary once again. Looking forward, your 4-2 Panthers visit the still undefeated 49ers. Kyle Allen, the young QB, trying to win his fifth straight. Safety Eric Reed, remember, former 49er. Sounds personal to him as he heads to San Francisco. We'll elaborate on that. Did you know that other teams, according to media reports, are, quote, highly interested in trading for Cam Newton? I will tell you what is realistic and unrealistic as you may see those headlines, you may hear those rumors, and you may wonder, as we all are, what Cam's going to look like when he returns from his foot injury and how the Panthers are going to handle the Kyle Allen Cam Newton two-headed monster at the most important position on the field. We have some great news involving one of the most popular guest hosts here on the David Glenn Show. Also one of the great voices of Carolina Hurricanes hockey, Mike Maniscalco, longtime friend of mine in the media world, perhaps a longtime friend of yours if you're a Kaniac or he used to be a sports radio host, now the ice side reporter for the Carolina Hurricanes with John Forslund and Trip Tracy and company. Quick update from Mike. Thank you to everyone who took the time to send a note, say a prayer, or had a positive thought. There is still some recovery left to do, but hearing the words non-cancerous from my doctors is a moment I will never forget or take for granted. Mike tweeted that within the last hour or so. I wanted to share that as soon as I could. The Canes put out an update on their official account as well. The Canes are actually back in action tonight. Mike, if you are listening, you, are, you know how important you are to us. So it's great news, and we thank you for sharing that news. Mike Maniscalco finished his tweet by saying, I can't wait to get back to work. So there is some medical work ahead, but we expect to hear Mike's voice on those Canes broadcasts once again at some point soon. On the ice, the Canes are at Columbus tonight. Remember, they're 6-3 and three out of the gate. That is one of the better starts in the NHL. But they did lose two in a row out west. They are back home this Saturday afternoon in Chicago. We are already sending listeners and those who are playing the Canes with DG contest on Twitter to that matchup, we have more tickets to give away today, either to the afternoon matchup against the Blackhawks on Saturday or next Tuesday night, the Canes host the Calgary Flames. So in most cases, while supplies last, as the saying goes, you can have your pick if you're today's winner. Saturday afternoon, two tickets and a parking pass, or perhaps you prefer the Tuesday night special with Calgary in town. More on that a little bit later in the program. We'll dive into the NFL's Week 8. We'll dive into college football's Week 9. That also starts tonight. SMU at Houston is not typically all that interesting, but keep in mind, App State and SMU are the only group of five undefeated teams. I personally don't believe the Mustangs are going to make it to the finish line unbeaten. And App State, of course, has a chance to be in those New, Year New Year's Day bowls if 
it has the best resume in the end among the power or among the group of five. They are six and zero under new head coach Eli Drinkwitz. They are number one in the Sun Belt yet again. They started that trend under Scott Satterfield. They do have the highest poll ranking in Sun Belt history. They're number twenty one this week in the AP poll. They have that trip to South Carolina later in the schedule. They already beat the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. So a little SMU at Houston tonight on the college side, a little Washington at Minnesota tonight on the pro side as we also get into the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, and other headlines of the day. How's this for some name dropping? Tiger Woods is in the headlines. Joe Girardi is in today's headlines. Jim Harbaugh, Michigan football coach, in the headlines. Connor McGregor. MMA superstar returning to the octagon soon, also in the headlines. I have some free legal advice on today's program. Instead of you having to shell out $1,000 an hour to somebody else, we'll give it to you for free. I got this question last night. Could a Major League Baseball umpire actually lose his job over a politically charged tweet? Many of you will be surprised by the answer to that question. Some of you will be shocked that a similar thing could cost you your job, and in many contexts, the good old United States Constitution, including that First Amendment thing, will not protect you from losing that job. That's in many, even most contexts, although for all of those details, you may want to consult your own attorney. What is the biggest national story in college football so far this season? I will offer my answer to that question as we welcome yours. Great guests all day today. Ryan McGee of ESPN on college football. Ian Eagle, voice of Thursday Night Football for Westwood One. Also the voice of the NFL for CBS uh, come the weekend on the TV side. Ian Eagle and Ryan McGee next hour. David Cutcliffe, Duke head coach on life sports football and his Blue Devils. A rivalry is resumed, far more famous on the basketball side, of course. That Duke Carolina has international renown. This Duke Carolina on the gridiron doesn't matter as much to most elsewhere. Still matters to a whole lot of people here. Mac Brown of the Tar Heels joined us on Monday's show. David Cutcliffe in his usual Thursday slot. Let me just say one little fun fact on that. Another on the World Series, which has taken an intriguing turn. Before David Cutcliffe got to Duke, the Tar Heels would not only beat the Blue Devils virtually every year. It was usually a drubbing. I've been around for most of these. But at one point, this was not right when Coach Cut arrived, but before he got the Blue Devils rolling. He's been there 12 years at this point. Carolina had beaten Duke in football 21 out of 22 years. There, is, there are not many rivalries in any sport that you can still call a rivalry if it's that one-sided. I mean, at some point, you, people just lose interest, right? Other than the fans maybe of the winning school especially. 21 out of 22 I have lived through Tar Heels over Blue Devils. There are a lot of ways to describe the Duke football resurgence under David Cutcliffe. All these bowl games after, you know, almost a half century where other than a couple years under Steve Spurrier and one year under Fred Goldsmith, seriously, for my lifetime, essentially, Duke football was a non-entity. Good SAT word. After 21 out of 22 wins for the Tar Heels, do you know what the current streak is? Five out of the last seven for the Blue Devils. So as Mac Brown says he wants to put up a fence around North Carolina, and he has said on our show and elsewhere, 
part of the message on the recruiting trail is that UNC is the place to be for football prospects, right? And the Heels are actually recruiting really, really well. But Coach Brown even added, at some point, you got to beat the teams head-to-head in your backyard to sort of ring that bell, to sort of underline your own pitch to recruits. In the 90s, it worked. Man, when Mac Brown wanted to get a Julius Peppers or somebody, Mac Brown got a Julius Peppers. When Mac Brown, even coming off of some bad seasons, wanted to find some prospect to lure to Chapel Hill halfway across the country, he often got those guys. That's how he went from 1 in 10, 1 in 10 to eight straight winning seasons and eventually back to back top 10 teams, high in the national picture, up there next to Florida State in the ACC headlines back in the Bobby Bowden days. Mac Brown has said you better beat your in-state rivals, otherwise your pitch doesn't have the same ring to it. Well, the Wolfpack has had the better of the Tar Heels lately. Dave Dorn over Larry Fedora. Heels get the pack later this season, obviously. The Devils have had the better of the Heels. And keep in mind, earlier this year, Wake beat Carolina head-to-head and App State beat Carolina head-to-head. So Mac Brown's already recruiting really well on the field They've had, what, six close games out of seven. They're probably overachieving, even though they don't have the prettiest record in the world. We'll talk with Coach Cut, the other side of Duke-Carolina, the football rivalry. He's dropping by in our third hour as we pick over the NFL, college football, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, and more. One more special guest, a guy named Steve Malik deserves a lot of credit for changing the culture of soccer here in the great state of North Carolina. He is one of those behind the idea of the downtown soccer-specific stadium in the capital city of Raleigh. If Raleigh's going to get an MLS franchise, that must happen, period, end of sentence, end of story. It's not a reality yet. It's still on the drawing board, if you will. It's still a political football, pardon the pun. Steve Malik is still trying to get Major League Soccer here in North Carolina. David Tepper, Panthers owner, is leading that charge in the city of Charlotte, of course. And they have 29 teams now, Sacramento being the latest announced. Charlotte and Raleigh are not both going to get MLS teams in the near future, right? It's probably either or. We'll see. Right now, David Tepper seems to have the lead. If Raleigh gets that downtown soccer-specific stadium, that tune could change quite dramatically. Meanwhile, Steve Malik has the best women's soccer club on earth. If you ever watch the North Carolina Courage play, they're like an all-star team. It would be watched like watching the NBA All-Star game, and then when the game is over, like nine guys go back to the same NBA team. That's what, that's what the North Carolina Courage is in women's soccer. They play for another NWSL championship this Sunday. And although you don't earn home field advantage in this particular context, it was a predetermined site, Cary, North Carolina, Wake Med Soccer Park. They, of course, will get to take advantage of the fact that the Courage plays Chicago in that title game on Sunday afternoon. I'm actually going to go bring a buddy of mine, bring my daughter Avery and one of her friends. We'll see you there at Wake Med Soccer Park. Steve Malik has done a lot of great things with North Carolina FC's men's team and the North Carolina Courage women's team. He'll drop by third hour. Get there if you can on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Wake Med Soccer Park. Julie Ertz, one of the stars for Chicago. The Courage just has too many stars to even mention. There's just They're all over the U.S. women's national team. They're all over other countries' national teams. They are incredibly well-coached. 
uh, every time I watch them play. Steve Malik, David Cutcliffe, Ian Eagle, Ryan McGee, they're all later in the show. We'll welcome your calls, questions, and comments on the NBA, NHL, MLB, college football, and NFL headlines of the day. What is that number one national story in college football so far this season? I'll give you my answer to that question on the other side. Where do the Houston Astros go from here? They are down 0-2 to the Washington Nationals, and they played both of those games at home and had an unbelievable one-two punch in their starting rotation and yet lost both games. My thoughts on baseball with yours. My thoughts on college football with yours. My thoughts on the Panthers' trip to San Francisco with yours. As week eight of NFL action starts tonight, Washington at Minnesota. Week nine of college action starts tonight with SMU at Houston. How did the Hornets win a game? Wow, the first game they won last night. I will give you an update on guys we know well beyond the Hornets and how they did in their NBA debuts. Y'all know Zion Williamson is out with an injury. How about Kobe White of the Bulls? How about R.J. Barrett of the Knicks? How about Chris Clemens, formerly of Campbell, who is on the Houston Rockets roster? Shout out to P.J. Washington and Devontae Graham, man. They were the men last night as the Hornets edged the Bulls in Charlotte, 126-125. No, there are not high hopes in the bigger picture this year for the Charlotte Hornets, but good to see them get off on the right foot. 1-800-849-2761. That is your ticket into the program. More of my thoughts with yours on the World Series, the NBA's regular season. Both of those, by the way, had some interesting TV ratings numbers come out recently. Some of it very good news, some of it not good news. I'll share that on the other side. My biggest story in college football through eight weeks. We have plenty to follow around here. App State, Wake Forest, Carolina, North Carolina A&T, Mike Minter and Campbell are off to a great start. Love Tony Trishiani and Elon. They just whacked the top 25 Delaware team. We'll see them on the big tailgate tour later. We have even more fun stories beyond that at various levels of NCAA football here. But nationally, it's not even close That number one story with your phone calls, those headlines, 1-800-849-2761. That's next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. Uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. show four great guests later your chance to jump in now with your question or comment we have a lot of things going on tiger woods connor mcgregor jim harbaugh joe girardi are all in the headlines nfl week eight starts tonight washington at minnesota and college football week nine starts tonight undefeated smu at houston question of the day what is the biggest national story in college football so far this season i have an answer we'll take yours as well could a major league baseball umpire lose his job over a politically charged tweet that became public last night free legal advice later how will the six and three canes look after a four-day break and that long trip to the west coast because of the north carolina state fair they are at columbus tonight 1-800-849-2761 one thing i promised on the cam newton question and then we'll get to your phone calls the world series the nba and that college football question of the day 
Other teams are, according to media reports, quote, highly interested in Panthers quarterback Cam Newton. Should we call him the backup quarterback at this point, <laughs> given Kyle <laughs> Allen's success? Darren, I think you've heard me say this before, but to break down the chances of the Panthers trading Cam Newton, when you see those headlines, I think I have mentioned this on the air before, but you have to be careful with how you use language, right? Like I, I would say there are only two reasons that I'm not married to Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover girl Brooklyn Decker, uh, a guest on the David Glenn Show. There's only two reasons. Only two. Only two that I'm not married to Brooklyn Decker right now. One is that she pretty much, other than her guest appearances, has no idea who I am. And two is, frankly, she wouldn't really be interested if she did. Like, it's only two. It's only two. With that in mind, there are only two reasons that you should roll your eyes at the Panthers trading Cam Newton stories and headlines and rumors that you're hearing right now. Number one, the Panthers have no interest in trading him right now. Anything can happen at the end of this season. But Kyle Allen, while promising, has led a nice little NFL offense for a team that has been winning more for its defense. 5-0 and as an NFL starter, nothing to sneeze at. Four straight wins with Cam out with his foot injury, nothing to sneeze at. Accurate throwing in a way that sometimes Cam hasn't been able to do. That matters. Kyle Allen's future in the NFL has taken a wild turn. Quick reminder, the Panthers have him under a contract where the Panthers control his rights moving forward. It's not like an unrestricted free agent or something like that. So moving forward, it's easy for the Panthers to keep Cam Newton. But there are only two reasons why Cam Newton's not going to be traded from the Panthers. Again, one, they don't want to trade him. They might need him this season. Most agree that a healthy Cam Newton is better than a healthy Kyle Allen. I know some of you are off that bandwagon. I don't believe David Tepper and Ron Rivera are off the bandwagon that if healthy, if healthy, and those are big words, Cam's ceiling is still much higher than Kyle Allen's ceiling at the age of 23. The other reason that hasn't been uh, discussed much you need cap room to trade for Cam Newton. So let's just say, all right, Ron Rivera and David Tepper fundamentally are not interested in talking about Cam in a different uniform until the end of this year. And anybody who thinks that's not a possibility, you're living in a dream world. At the end of this year, if the Panthers trade him or even cut him, they save $19 million plus against next year's salary cap. If you don't believe he's your long-term answer, you are not signing him to a long-term extension. And he has only one year left after the current year. So we'll see where that goes later. But in, let's just pretend somebody bowls him over. Like that unforgettable, unbelievable, they're offering so much, we have to consider it, whatever that is. To be able to trade for Cam Newton right now, remember half the season is ahead of us. You've got to have $10 plus million in salary cap space. Go ahead and look up every NFL team right now. You will barely be able to find anybody who comes close to that much salary cap space. Are there creative ways around that? Yes. But when you put the two things together, Brooklyn Decker doesn't really know who I am. And if she did, she wouldn't be interested anyway. When you put the two things together, there are only two reasons the Panthers aren't trading Cam Newton. Those are the two. And that's why it is not going to happen, at least during the regular season. 1-800-849-2761. All right, Darren, why would I think of Tom Hanks 
and the late John Belushi as I'm watching last night's World Series Game 2. Why would I think of movies, those famous actors, as the Nationals took both of the first two games, both on Houston's home field, and that is an Astros team that won 107 regular season games and has been described by those who know baseball better than I as one of the best constructed rosters in Major League Baseball of this century, now that we're almost 20 years into it. I thought of Tom Hanks because I watched the Apollo 13 movie. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Do you remember that unfortunate thing that he had to say once they realized that a little flick of the switch? What was it? Kevin Bacon, always seven degrees of separation, right? Kevin Bacon in the World Series, here we are. He's everywhere. Kevin Bacon, I think, had like a routine flick of the switch just to test the oxygen. Not so much, as it turned out. And Tom Hanks channeling the Apollo 13 crew uttered those famous words. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. In Major League Baseball, too. How about this for a fun fact, or if you're an Astros fan, a not-so-fun fact? 17 of the last 18 teams that won games one and two went on to win the World Series. Not hard to guess it'd be a nice record, right? If you win the first two and it's best of seven, I mean, like, mathematically, you're on your way. You're halfway there, right? I didn't know it would be 17 out of 18. And keep in mind that the percentages only increase when your game one and game two win, which might happen fairly often with the home team taking both. Doesn't happen as often with the road team taking both. So you've got that fun fact or not so fun fact. Houston, we have a problem. 17 out of 18. Meanwhile, the Nationals are now 84 and 40 since their infamously slow start. So anybody thinking, well, the Astros are unbeatable, 107 wins, those three top starting pitchers, the future Hall of Famer, uh, Justin Verlander, who lost last night. It was more the bullpen's fault than Verlander's start uh, fault. Garrett Cole was unbeatable going into game one, 19-0 in 24 starts, and yet they got the seemingly ungettable Garrett Cole in game one. How's this for another not-so-fun fact? And again, I hear Tom Hanks in my head. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Darren, you're a baseball guy, the voice of USA Baseball. You and I both played and have loved this game since we were little boys. If I told you that the Houston Astros... They often started Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander back-to-back. Duh, that's their rotation, right? They're number one and they're number two. Fourteen times that back-to-back happened when both games were at home. So to, like, start a series or continue a series, but they're in Houston specifically. That happened 14 times this year in the regular season. How many times did the Astros go 0-2 when they started at home Garrett Cole followed by Justin Verlander. Well, I mean, Garrett Cole's last loss before his game one <laughs> right. loss was, was back in May. Good so SAT it could, could not have happened many times, if at all. I'm going to go on a limb here and guess that it did not happen in the regular How about season. zero times? How about not at all? The Nationals just did the unthinkable. They won twice on the road. Houston, we do have a problem. Tom Hanks, I think, improvised well. In, in Apollo 13, I have lost faith that the Astros are going to go to Washington. Remember, the format is 2-3-2. Just to get the series back to Houston, 
You've got to take two out of three from the Nationals, 84 and 40 in their last 124 games, in front of a Washington crowd the next three, if needed, that hasn't seen a World Series title since 1924, which means nobody who was there to see that one is still here to see this one. The old Washington Senators 95 years ago. I mean, you better have quadruple oxygen tanks if you saw that one and you're still coming in to watch this one. The Washington Nationals host, they get the day off for the travel day today, they host games three, four, and five after doing the unthinkable, taking out Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. The numbers last night, 12-3, Nationals over Astros. It's still a great Astros team. There's nothing wrong with that lineup. They're hitting some atoms, as they call them in baseball. They're not getting a lot of ball luck, but it's not luck what the Nationals have done. Their starting pitching has shown up. Juan Soto, the 20-year-old, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner of NC State, Ryan Zimmerman, one of the original Washington Nationals from 14 years ago. He had a dinger last night. It is a surprising story for anybody who watched the Astros win 107 games and conceived of that trio Garrett Cole, unbeatable. Justin Verlander, Hall of Famer. Zach Greinke hasn't been great in the postseason, but that's a heck of a number three. By Major League Baseball standards, Zach Greinke's been one of the more consistently successful starters in the big leagues over the last decade. He's your number three starter. I think the Astros are in shock. Tom Hanks and the Apollo crew were in shock temporarily. Houston, think, we have a problem. I think those folks are well-trained to deal with adversity, right? The Astros better be well-trained to deal with adversity because after a stunning regular season and at least an impressive postseason to this point, they're down 0-2 and heading to Washington to face the next three games. Big hole to dig out of, not impossible, but the numbers I saw, the Nationals have gone from having basically like a 40% chance of winning the World Series to at least an 80% chance of winning the World Series. Just in two games, that's how important it is to win the first two on the road. 1-800-849-2761. Why did I think of John Belushi, the late John Belushi? Because so you're saying there's a chance, Darren. Was it over when the Nationals went to Houston and beat Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander? Heck no, and it ain't over now. Nothing is over until we decide it is. <laughs> because when the going gets tough, Darren, what happens? When the going gets tough, I think the tough get going. I think John Belushi as Bluto in Animal House channeled that attitude. Go ahead, if you have it. What? I, never gets old. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over. Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough... Is A.J. Hinch playing this in the Astros clubhouse right now? A tough get going! Pluto lost Who's with me? Momentarily. Let's go! Come on! I think Bluto infamously had a 0.0 grade point average. So he lost he lost his spot there when the going gets tough. Maybe just like A.J. Hinch did when he intentionally walked a batter for oh, the first look time at that. all season. Look at you go, getting the, getting the cat claws out toward the Astros <laughs> manager. 
1-800-849-2761. There better be somebody giving a Bluto-like speech, and please don't tell us it wasn't the Germans who bombed Pearl Harbor. That's kind of part of the gag. Every time, Darren, every single time <laughs> I make that joke, somebody tells me, uh, uh, DG, man, I, I know you're a highly educated guy, but uh, you might have your wars mixed up. No, <laughs> no, we got it. Just a little humor. Just a little humor. It was the Japanese, Darren. It was the Japanese. 1-800-849-2761. Ryan McGee on college football. Ian Eagle on the NBA. The, t the TV numbers were somewhat surprising. They're back for game one of the World Series, so listen up, baseball fans. See how your sport is trending. And they're back from night number one of the NBA regular season. So that was Clippers-Lakers. And remember, the opener was Pelicans-Raptors. But Kawhi's not with Toronto anymore as they collected their rings. And that Zion Williamson guy, of course, was not available because of his injury for the New Orleans Pelicans. So how much did that impact the TNT opening night doubleheader? I mean, they chose wisely on the front end, right? Who wouldn't have tuned in to see Zion's first game in the NBA? I mean, he has been a lightning rod in every way since his high school days, much less at Duke. Those TV numbers, week eight of the NFL, week nine of college football, a little canes, free tickets to give away, free legal advice, the World Series. Your questions and comments are welcome. All four guests are later. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. The David Glenn Show, where the great guests have so much fun, they never want to leave. I'll come give you a pep talk before your next show if you need me to. We could use that from you, Webb Simpson, anytime. Hey, I'll be your intern after this, this is everything open, man. We'll take Joe Harris as an intern every day <laughs> and twice on Sunday. Listen weekdays to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Lines are open, guests are later. Ryan McGee of ESPN on college football, Ian Eagle of CBS and Westwood One on the NBA and other things. David Cutcliffe of Duke Third Hour. Steve Malik. he owns the North Carolina Courage women's team and the North Carolina FC men's team. The men bowed out but had a good season and made the playoffs. Just last night they lost at home. The Courage plays for the NWSL championship Sunday afternoon in Cary against Julie Ertz and Chicago. They are seeking back-to-back -back titles. They often win the regular season as well. One thing I promised, and then your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. The college football question of the day, what is the biggest national story in college football so far this season? I see a clear number one. We see great stories here, App State, Wake Forest, and otherwise. But in the national picture, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I'll give you mine. You give me yours, 1-800-849-2761. We're talking NFL, college football, NBA, MLB, the return of the Carolina Hurricanes on the road, but they're playing tonight at Columbus. And more with you, 1-800-849-2761. Joe Girardi is the new manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Tiger Woods is not only playing golf again, he was leading a PGA event after yesterday's first round. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Connor McGregor, MMA superstar, is returning to the Octagon in early 2020. Says he expects to fight three times next year. Remember they had that weird Floyd Mayweather crossover bout where everybody made bucket loads of money. Connor McGregor, who's an intriguing guy, although not wor always worthy of your admiration in many ways, he hasn't won a bout since the 2016 calendar year and yet he still has a lot of followers and he can draw headlines and i do understand why 
He had a good track record prior to that. He's, of course, a huge personality in a lot of the headlines, sometimes the wrong ones. But he hasn't won it. By the time he fights again, it'll be four calendar years since he won anything. But yet, they expect big numbers when he returns to the Octagon next year. One thing I promised, and then your call is 1-800-849-2761. All right, Darren, you and I are baseball lovers. Our love has not fallen by the wayside, even as we've gotten older. In my case, much older. In your case, just a little bit since when we played this great game. Would you believe that the ratings for Tuesday's Game 1 of the World Series between the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros represented one of the two smallest audiences in the history of ratings for such things. In other words, the real measuring sticks only started when I was a little kid. So the, the, the history only goes back. I don't know what they measured, and there weren't, of course, as many games on TV way back when. But the measuring sticks did start in the 1970s. So you have almost 50, almost a half century worth of data I know it's only the Nationals. I find them compelling, but they're not a big name like the Yankees or the Dodgers, etc. I know it's only the Astros who were mostly irrelevant for most of their history until two years ago when they won their first World Series. But Houston is a pretty darn big market. I mean, it's one of the 10 biggest markets in the United States. So you'd think the thrill of the Nationals, none for our nation's capital, World Series titles in 95 years, they're a reborn franchise, the former Expos, only been in D.C. for a decade and a half. You'd think either the Astros going for two out of three while representing a top ten market or the Nationals just fun, weird, different story would draw eyeballs. Well, not for game one, man. When you're It's 11% down from the previous year, and it's one of the – when you're – I'll put it this way. If you're getting only 12 million viewers for a World Series baseball game, just to give you some context, the random average regular season game in the NFL gets more viewers than that. I don't mean a special game. I don't mean Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night. I mean your average NFL game gets 14 or 15 million TV viewers. The World Series, it's game one. Like, sometimes later games don't draw as much interest. Sometimes the drama builds, and the later games get the biggest audiences. You know, a sweep is going to hurt, right? Game one, one of the two lowest in 50 years. That hurts, man. Should I be alarmed about what was often called my, our national pastime in my youth but doesn't you don't even hear that label anymore because no. of the rise of football and basketball? Not in a grandiose way, right? I mean, hey, I, you're I, young and a, a, a voice of baseball. Do I have to just picture tumbleweeds for your future? What's going on? <laughs> I here? hope not. I hope not. <laughs> Keep in mind too, this was. I mean, obviously, it could have been Yankees Dodgers, which would have drawn many more oh, eyeballs, I think. But I would be interested to go back the past few years and compare ratings and compare where the NBA's opening night fell. Uh, in comparison to game one of the World Series because it was competing against that, the doubleheader that opened up the NBA regular season, which yeah, has progressively become more and more popular, not quite to an NFL now, status. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you brought that up. It's almost as if you've done this before. Lakers Clippers did draw on TNT uh, about 3.5 million viewers. Now, that's just an opening night game. I mean, so it's not like apples to apples. Sure. Of course, a World Series game one should, you know, I mean, they, they what, uh, not even quadrupled? 
the Clippers-Lakers number, right. I mean, you're supposed to just destroy it. It's their opening night, and that's different than the random regular season game. And it is Lakers-Clippers, which is different than the random regular season game. In some people's eyes, they're the top two favorites to win this year's NBA title. Interestingly, whereas the baseball TV numbers are just flat bad, you can spin them however you want. When you're one of the two lowest in 50 years, that's bad news, period. In basketball, we got another reminder that whereas, yes, trends vary sport by sport, you can't ignore the details because the bottom line on opening night for the NBA was that the Raptors-Pelicans broadcast tanked and the Clippers-Lakers broadcast, which is a little challenging because you're asking East Coasters to stay up late. That was, I think, a 10.30 tip. Yeah. All right. So the easier, more convenient one to watch was Pelicans-Raptors. Now, we know why that fizzled. We know why the TV executives picked it. Raptors getting their championship ring, Zion's debut in the NBA. Well, at the time you pick it, you don't know Zion's going to need knee surgery and going to miss six to eight weeks. So now, And, of course, you did know Kawhi would be off to the Clippers, but that's one less reason to watch the Raptors. Insanely low ratings for TNT's first game, but yet record high numbers for TNT's second game. So it's not just a sport trend, it's a give-me-the-right-game trend. It's kind of like what we've discussed with Thursday Night Football in the NFL. When you gave us a bunch of dogs, of course the ratings were going to be down a little bit. When you throw more quality matchups at us, well, surprise, surprise, the ratings went back up. Clippers-Lakers is must-see TV for a real NBA fan, not just the diehards. I mean, if you're just curious, that'd be the number one game to tune into in the first month of the regular season for me. Clippers-Lakers, Anthony Davis with LeBron for the first time. Kawhi didn't have Paul George, but they're among the favorites because of that dynamic duo. Must-see TV. I watched the beginning of it. Pelicans-Raptors tanked in large part because of no Zion. Clippers-Lakers sky high. Same channel, same sport, same night. It does, the details of course matter in context like that. A good no opening night for the NBA, a dud of a game one for Major League Baseball. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. The one thing I promised on college football, what is the biggest national story in college football so far this season? We'll get to Ryan McGee of ESPN in about 15 minutes. If I told you, Darren, back in August, and Frank, in fact, I probably did. We probably had this conversation back in August. But just for fun, you know, pl play the game with me. <laughs> Entertain me. <laughs> if we said in August, you know, Clemson's going to be undefeated in the top five uh, when we head into week nine of the college football regular season. I'm sure we had this exact We're all shaking our heads, right, in the, in the affirmative. <laughs> If we even said something like, you know what, Nick Saban and Alabama, they're going to be undefeated late October. They might even be number one in the nation, which they are in the polls. We'd all be nodding our heads in agreement again, of right? If we said, you know, I know Urban Meyer's gone from Ohio State, but, man, they have a lot of talent. Urban Meyer helped recruit that. We've heard great things about his successor as the head coach of the Buckeyes. You know what, in late October, I think the Buckeyes are going to be in the top five and still undefeated. Yeah in part because of their neighborhood, uh, but in part because they're really, really that good. We'd all nod our heads and agree no again, right? I'd even throw in our old friends Lincoln Riley and Ruffin McNeil, guests here on the David Glenn Show, given their roots at ECU. If we said Sooners, 
in Big 12 country, they're still going to be undefeated, probably in the top five of the polls. Still nodding our heads, right? The biggest national story in college football, and again, I'm not blind to the ones closer to home, App State, Wake Forest, and otherwise, is LSU and Joe Burrow. Picture in your head what LSU football has meant to you, even if you're not as old as I. Just the last decade, the last two decades, or in my case, you know, 40 years of watching from afar LSU football. I've been more of an ACC guy or in my youth even a Big East guy. You picture great defense. You picture good offensive linemen. You picture black and blue running game, tough guy approach to offense. And you picture if they're going to fall into a ditch, it's because their quarterback or their offense aren't good enough. And they might be 10-2. and two, They might be 11-1. and one, They might even play for an SEC title. But if they're going to get got, it's going to be the quarterback or the offense. Joe Burrow, the transfer, is the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy, setting all sorts of LSU records, and he's only seven games in. Like, I mean, single-season records that he is catapulting through seven games. He's not even close to done yet. He's barely half through the halfway point. He hasn't just been good. Believe it or not, LSU's defense is not even that great. LSU's defense is down by LSU standards. We'll see if that costs them against Alabama when they go head-to-head shortly. That's the number one story in college football, man. We saw those other top five undefeated teams coming. Maybe you saw LSU having one of the most explosive offenses in the country and among the ranks of the unbeaten and number two in the latest polls. I don't know. You're either a member of the Joe Burrow family or you've been following him for a long time because that is the biggest national story in the Heisman race, but also, more importantly, in the race to the college football playoff. Ryan McGee on more college football in 10 minutes. Your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? How does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I I hope it's not awkward. (laughs) Um, You know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Hour number two will start with Ryan McGee of ESPN on more college football. Ian Eagle... On the NFL and the NBA, David Cutcliffe of Duke drops by third hour. So does Steve Malik of the North Carolina Courage and NCFC. The MLS back in the headlines. Those guests and your calls still to come. Roy Williams, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it here on the David Glenn Show.